0: let me ask you is there anything too hard for the Lord do you believe that today is there anything too hard for the Lord has God lost any power has God become less great as time has gone on Is there anything that God cannot do? Do you still believe that God is God? There's a lot of things that change from day to day and from year to year. But he said, I'm the same yesterday and today, and I'll be the same forever. And if I heal then, I'll heal now. If I deliver then, I'll deliver now. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. Can we sing that one more time? And you make that declaration in your spirit that there is nothing too hard for the Lord. Let's sing it together.
1: Say now, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard?
0: I want you to clap your hands and I want you to shout as the scripture says unto God shout don't you shout shout unto God with a voice of triumph with a voice of triumph with a voice of triumph thanks be to God thanks be to God who always gives us the victory thanks be to God let me let me testify Uh, yesterday we were in service down at the R3 conference. And this, you know, this might be insignificant to you, but it just shows you that God, God really will do what you ask Him to do. I was a lot of people and a lot of people in here by now know that I a lot of times I'll suffer with really, really bad uh, back and neck and and chest pain in my ribs. And and yesterday and the, the past couple of days had just been horrible, and I—I I mean, I was in—I was in bad pain. I wasn't letting anybody know, but I was in bad pain, and I could hardly move. My—I mean, I had to just—I felt like I had to move like this, and it was just a simple thing. Uh, Brother Harvey got up and he was—he was telling people, saying, "God can do, He can heal, He can deliver, He's saying, stretch your. Why don't you somebody stretch your faith?" Stretch your faith. He's, and he started to say, "Stretch your faith." I, I decided to lay my hand on my own head, on my own neck, and I started. I said, I'm, "I said I'm gonna stretch my faith. I'm gonna stretch my neck." And I, I'm, when I tell you that I said, "In the name of Jesus," I said, "I command this pain to leave right now." I said, "Be healed in the name of Jesus." I'm talking about instantly. It broke loose, and I felt the pain leave my body. And I have not had any more pain. And that might just be a small thing, but I'm I'm telling you today that that sometimes we are just one little prayer of faith. I mean, just a mustard seed sized grain of faith. If you got just a little bit of faith, then just use your little bit of faith because that's all you need. If you have faith that God will do it. If you have faith that God will heal. If you have faith that God can deliver. I'm telling you, you might have prayed a lot of times, but I'm not going to stop praying. I'm not going to stop believing. because. God is all powerful and He knows what to do and I pray His will and everything but I'm telling you that God is still a healer and God is still a deliverer and God is still working and God is still moving and God is still proving just how good that He is and how faithful that He is Mm. get on off on a whole different thing today I believe we're ready to receive the word of the Lord today Clap your hands one more time. God's still going to move. Don't think I'm shutting this down. God's still going to move. If you want to return to your seat for a moment as I get ready to read, let me testify again. Let me uh, preface this sermon today to inspire some Uh, confidence I thank you all for your confidence in me to respond to the word when I have the privilege to stand behind this desk and preach but let me inspire some confidence in you from the Lord about what he wants to say to this church today I was I mean I, I was struggling with the direction to go in this service today, and I felt like I remember there was there was when I knew that I was going to preach today, there was a direction I felt like I would go, and then that changed, and I felt sure about it, and then I felt like, well, maybe maybe not, maybe this. I don't know if if we can receive this today. It's it's kind of a tough thing, uh, and I was I was really struggling. I was praying, I was asking God, and yesterday. As we got ready to go into service, I said, "Lord, I said, I need something just uh, just a little something that will get my attention and let me know that the word that you've given me for tomorrow is what you have for our church for tomorrow." and I prayed that, and I believed that, and I just went into the service and and we sang and we worshiped and, and the preacher got up and, and he was, he was doing great, and he was, he was preaching. He, was, uh, he opened up somewhere completely different than I, than I am today. But, but then, all of a sudden, he just he broke into, I mean, the exact thing that I am preaching today. From the same passage, the same thoughts, using some of the same terminology. And I'm sitting there with my, I mean, I sat there the rest of the message with, literally with my mouth open. And I was folding my hands and I was looking up, I was saying, thank you, Jesus. And it was like God just said, is that good enough? That get, was that subtle enough for you? Amen. And what's amazing is afterwards I went to that preacher and I, I, I sat down with him and I, was tell, you know, I told him that. I said, I appreciate you obeying the Lord. I said, that, that's, that's just remarkable because And I told him everything I just told you. And, and he, said, he said, well, praise God. He said, you know what? He said, I don't have any of that written down anywhere. He said, that wasn't in my notes. He said, I was preaching and I felt like the Lord said, you need to say this. He said, I guess I know why now. And so again, I'm just telling you that God is paying attention to where, not just about what just Jake is preaching, but about where we are today. And what needs to be said today. And I want you to know today that I've got a word from the Lord for this church. And if you will be attentive and you will hear what the Spirit is saying, I'm telling you that there's healing, there's deliverance, there's salvation in this house. I'm telling you the Lord's got a word for this church. Now let me begin to preach. Psalm 137. Psalm 137. Now you're going to have to hang in here with me for, for about five minutes or so at least. you have to just hang on with me. Psalm one thirty seven, starting in verse one. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down; yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. This is Israel in captivity. This is not a psalm of David. David didn't write this psalm. This is this is more of a group psalm, and it switches to an individual just here in a second. But it says. We, we hanged our harps on the willows in the midst thereof. He said, we, we can't sing that song to the Lord anymore. It's not the way that it used to be. We're, we're hanging our harps. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song. They that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. And he said, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? And then he begins to say, if I, if I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning, so that I can't even play my harp anymore. He said, if I don't remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth, so that I can't, I can't even sing anymore. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem, who said, Raise it, raise it even to the foundation thereof. O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed, happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stones. Basically, they are holding on to the sliver of hope, to the, basically the promise that God made Abraham, that I'll bless them that bless you, I'll curse them that curse you. They're hoping to see Babylon this return to babylon the way that they have treated israel but that's not my message i want to preach on this thought for a few minutes today don't hang your harps don't hang your harps let's pray for the word lord i thank you so much for your liberty that's in this house lord the spirit that we feel in this place is so sweet I thank you, Lord, for what you've done already, the way that you've worked and moved and touched and and encouraged in this house. Lord, but I know that you have a word for this people today. And I pray, God, that you would open our ears, open our spirits, open our minds and our hearts to be attentive to your word, to receive your word and hear what the Spirit is saying. And I believe we're going to see you work and move in this place. If you believe that, say in Jesus' name and clap your hands as you say amen. Let it be so. We say amen and amen only in here. (laughs) You can be seated. I hope no one's mad about that. We hang our harps on the willows. They had hung up their song. It hung up the way that it used to be here. They are in captivity in Babylon. And what what stirred this this thought that caused me to even begin to look into this is I was uh, believe it or not I I don't know why it's so hard to believe I was taking a nap but I was taking a nap and I was in the recliner at home and this uh, a message uh, by Brother Cornwell was was playing in the background. I, I heard something that he said, and it just, I, I mean, I mean it. The Lord stirred something in me, and I instantly started to uh, look into this and, and and think more about this. And so I started, I began to study and research not only biblical, but historical accounts of Babylon's siege and capture of Jerusalem and the Jewish people uh, from 2 Kings to Ezekiel to Daniel, uh, to the writings of the historian Josephus. And if, you'll, if, if you study this out, you'll see that uh, Babylon's king at this time, the one that had taken them into captivity, uh, was Nebuchadnezzar II. And he was a genius politician and military strategist, and he himself a historian. And before responding to King Jehoiakim's uh, rebellion in Judah, he basically was, uh, Babylon was like the Rome of this time. It, the, the known world, basically, uh, he had under his thumb. And there was a rebellion from the king of Judah at this time. And so before he squashed that rebellion, he knew Israel's history. He knew that there was an invisible force that had delivered them from Egypt and had uh, rained down plagues on Egypt and caused them to walk across the Red Sea uh, out of Egypt and had delivered them, even after that, time and time again from different enemies and different captors. And he knew that there was this force behind Israel, behind the people of God. And he needed a way to conquer them once and for all. He would not stand for this open rebellion against his authority. But he didn't undermine the history that he knew that the people of God had. He knew that he was going to have to do something a little bit extra harsh or extra hard to squash this rebellion once and for all within Israel. And after killing Jehoiakim, And capturing his son, Jehoiakim, And eventually defeating and capturing King Zedekiah. Nebuchadnezzar besieges and destroys Jerusalem. They were outside the walls of Jerusalem for two years. And finally broke through. And they destroyed the walls. And they destroyed the temple. And the armies of Israel and Judah they destroyed. And they killed men. And he killed women and he killed children, and he kills off uh, some of the officers and slays the priests, destroys Jerusalem, finally conquers this city and towards the end of this struggle, after he has broken through and after they have they have raised the temple and 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 destroyed the walls and uh, killed so many. He lines about a mile and a half. You can find this in history. He lines about a mile and a half of road on both sides with dead, bloated, mutilated bodies of the Jewish soldiers and men and women and children. And then he marches about 50,000 captives down that path. I told you you are going to have to stay with me for a minute. And so they had to look at their dead, mutilated, rotting brothers and sisters and friends and loved ones. And they had to hang their heads as they walked this path. And they wouldn't let them cover their nose because of the stench. They would whip them. And anybody who dared to lift their head in defiance was killed and tossed among the dead. Can you imagine? Not only has your home been destroyed, you've been invaded and conquered, and now are being marched into captivity, but as you're marched out of your home, as you're marched out of the promised land, you have to look and see on either side for about a mile and a half and see your brothers, your sisters, your loved ones I'm sorry for the, how graphic it is, but mutilated, and rotting, and dead. And could not respond to that, or you would be killed yourself. Historians say that as they were paraded, bound and naked into Babylon, that Nebuchadnezzar watched from a ship. From a boat on one of the rivers. And that weight was placed upon the backs of some of the priests in sacks made from torn fragments of the Torah scrolls. And it said that the cry that went forth because of this pierced the heavens. The agony and the anguish from the Jewish people. Nebuchadnezzar's plan was to suck the life. Out of the people of God. And to completely discourage them. And to completely just obliterate all of their hope. He wanted to completely demoralize the children of Israel. And to demoralize means to cause to lose confidence or hope. He wanted to completely drain them of all confidence or hope that they would ever rise from these ashes. He wanted them to look and see the destruction that he had brought and the punishment that he had brought so that they would never believe that they would have glorious triumph over an enemy ever again. So that they would never believe that God would get them out of this ever again. He wanted to make sure that this invisible force that was behind them was something that they lost all confidence in. He wanted to make sure the children of God did not dare to rebel against the authority of an enemy ever again. He was going to complete not just capture them, but he wanted to completely rob them of their identity. Right, right. To further solidify this demoralization, he tried to take Their identity, you can look and see that that Daniel, his name was changed to Belteshazzar. And that Hananiah was Shadrach. And that Mishael was Meshach. And Azariah changed to Abednego. New names along with dietary changes and linguistic training were required for the young Israelites for their assimilation into Babylonian culture. In their new names... The Hebrew name of God, El or Yah, was replaced with the name of one of the Babylonian gods, such as Bel or Rak, Shaq, Marduk, Nego, Nebu, Nabu. He wanted to strip them not just of their home and what they knew and of their song and and, and demoralize them, but take their identity and assimilate them into Babylonian culture. And make them into uh, what He wanted them to be. Make them into Babylonians. Just let me say plainly today, that this is what the enemy of our souls would like to do to the people of God today. And I know, I know that we don't want to hear about last year anymore. But the past year especially, he wants you to look back. And he wants you to be completely demoralized. He wants the church of the Almighty God to be a fragment of what it once was. To hang our harps on the willows and say things just will never be the same again will not see that glory any longer. The promised land is behind us. He wants you to look back. And He wants you to hang your head and walk in the wake of destruction. And he wants you to look to your right and to your left and see everything that has been lost. He wants you to see sickness and disease and shutdowns. He wants you to see chaos in, in our country and in our world. He wants you to look at loved ones that you've lost. He wants you to look at, at prodigals that have walked away. He wants you to look at brothers and sisters that have bowed down to idols and, and rather than be in the fiery furnace. He wants you to look at things that you've lost. He wants you to look at everything that has gone wrong. He wants you to look at all the twists and the turns and the trials and the tests and he wants to wear you down. He wants to demoralize the church of the almighty God and say look at how much destruction that I have wrought. Look at all of the disease and the pestilence and the plague and the chaos and the hatred and the racism and the death and the spiritual death. Look at the destruction that I have wrought upon you mighty church of God and he wants that to suck the life out of you he wants you to hang your harp on the willows and say I have no song left to sing He wants you to be so defeated and demoralized that you hang your harp and lose your identity and conform to the culture of this world and begin to bow down to the idols that have been set up and just begin to fall in line, no questions asked. I'll give up my identity just for the sake of not being killed, just for the sake of not being destroyed, just for the sake of no more punishment. I can't take anymore, so just let me assimilate it to Babylonian culture. Let me just lose my identity. I guess this is just what it is now. Come on now. He wants you to look at the mandates of this world and say, I'll bow down, no questions asked. I'm not go- I-, 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 I will obey man rather than God. Come on, I'm not trying to get political in here. I'm telling you, the enemy would like for you to say, I'll just I'll go with the flow no matter what they say, no matter what they tell me to do, or tell me what I can't do. If they say we can't get together, then we give up all hope. If they say we can't sing, we won't sing. If they say we can't worship, we won't worship. He wants you to look and see at everything that you've lost and everything that's went wrong. And he just wants to demoralize you. Yeah. Come
2: on now. Truth. Truth.
0: And there has there has been hard things yes, and it has been i believe I, I believe in valleys and mountaintops but it seems like to get to the next mountaintop it's been one more uphill battle yeah. one thing after the other right. what else my goodness what else what else can happen We know it's true. Something that I heard brought out recently. Seems like that. Seems like we've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed against this pandemic. God, push this pandemic back. God, just get this pandemic out of this world. Heal this world. You know, and I have seen God heal a lot of things. A lot of different sicknesses. I've seen God heal and. And deliver, and but it it does seem like that God has not just taken away COVID, right. yeah. and we've seen some of our very own uh, elders uh, within the the church as a whole, and, and ones people of faith, and get COVID right. and die. having faith until the very end. And I would rather my time run out before my faith runs out, by the way. If I have to go all the way to the grave lifting my hands, saying I'll fly away, I'm about to open my eyes in glory, then I've won a a bigger victory than the, the devil hasn't won anyway. But, you know, if you... If, if you look at what COVID is, it's, it's not just a sickness, it's not just a cold. What's happening in our world is a plague. It's a plague. And when you look at the plagues of Egypt, the first few plagues, it wasn't just Egypt that experienced these things, it was the people of God too. When the water turned to blood, Israel's water was blood. When there were frogs in their bed, there was frogs in the Israelites' bed. But there was a time that came when God said, These things are not going to touch my people anymore. Because what should the the enemy has had them in slavery and had tried to tried to demoralize my people, but what I'm going to do is demoralize the enemy. And Moses is going to say, Let my people go. And you know what's going to happen? My people are going to be let go. And these things aren't going to touch my people. A thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand in my right hand, but it shall not come nigh me. I'm telling you, listen, look at Job. The hedge, God had a hedge around Job. And people always say that when, when, when these things started happening to Job, it's because God removed the hedge. God did not remove Job's hedge. God moved Job's hedge. He had a hedge around him and all his stuff. But then he said, I'm going to take the hedge from here and I'm going to move it right here. And they said, I'm going to take the hedge from here and move it right here. He didn't remove the hedge. He moved it. And it might have just been one little bitty small tight hedge around Job. But he said, Job is the one thing you can't have. You can take his stuff. You can cause everything in his life to go wrong. But he will not curse me because I will not remove the hedge that is around him. God didn't remove the hedge, and I'm telling you, there might be a lot of things that we've experienced, and a lot of hardship that we've seen, but it's not because God is taken his hand off of us, he's got us in his hand, and if he's got nothing else in his hand, he's got me, and you, and the church in his hand. I'm telling you, you need to know today that there's some things we've experienced, but when it comes down to it, there's some things that's not going to be able to touch the church, and we're walk out of bondage and we're going to walk out of slavery and we're going to walk out of Egypt. We're going to walk out of Babylon and say it might have got me for a little while and it might have been hard for a little while but when it's all said and done my Redeemer lives. The gates of hell shall not prevail. They'll shoot fiery darts. They'll throw trials and tests and lies your way. But the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. Let me tell you about Ezekiel. Ezekiel, the prophet, lived during Babylonian captivity on the banks of the Chabar River by the rivers of Babylon with some other high-up exiles from Judah. And I'd like to point out that if you look, you'll find that these priests and prophets, they bound them just about every way you can be bound while they were working. They weren't just living there in just cute little houses by the river. They were slaves. But they bound the prophets. Bound their hands and their feet. The people that, that, the people that could cause an uprising with the word. The people that heard from God and, and spoke the word to the people wanted to bind them. I tell you that, that the enemy, he wants to bind you so that you will not speak the word. So that you'll lose confidence in the Word of God, that you're not sharing the Word, you're not preaching the gospel, you're not sharing the gospel, and that's just a for free. Ezekiel, he may have been there when this when, when he may have been in this spot when this Psalm 137 was written, because he's by the rivers of Babylon, and he looks around. At his lamenting brothers and sisters sitting by the rivers of Babylon, harps hanging in the willows, and they're crying about the good old days. Listen, we as a church, just I know as individuals, but let me talk to you as a church, as my church family today. We could look back. And we could mark the point where it seems like everything changed. Everything flipped upside down. Nothing was like we had ever seen before. We can look back, just just say before last year. And we, can, we could cry about some of the good old days. We could cry about how I wish it was still like this. I wish we still had this. And I wish we could do this without worrying about this. We have that option to lament, cry, and weep about Zion. The good old days. And look at things as if the good old days are behind us. That Zion is behind us. That the glory is behind us. look at Ezekiel 37. We this is something that we hear all the time. It's in songs it's we we quote it. But not a lot of people realize when they read about Ezekiel seeing the dry bones. They don't realize that this was during Babylonian captivity. They don't realize that Ezekiel had walked among those bodies lining the road. They don't realize that the, the, the trauma that Ezekiel went through in seeing his dead, mutilated, rotting brothers and sisters on every side of him, lining the road for a mile and a half. They don't realize the, the trauma that Ezekiel went through. They don't realize where Ezekiel even is in captivity a lot of times because they just start reading here and they, they don't even realize what's happening. In Ezekiel 37. He's by the rivers of Chabar. And then it says, "The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord." That's something. He's he's here, and the Lord's Whoop. said he carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the midst of the valley. Where did he take him? But a road lined with the bones. Of his past trauma and his past suffering and the things that he the horrible things that he had seen. Yeah. Drop me in the midst of the valley which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold there were very many in the open valley, and lo they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of Man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. And to translate that, he was saying. "Mm." Again, he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones. These bones are dead. These bones are, are, are sun bleached and dead and dry and almost dust. And still he said, prophesy unto these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews in the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, and there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, prophesy to the wind, prophesy son of man and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood up upon their feet an exceeding great army." Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off from our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves. And shall put my spirit in you. And ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall ye know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. I'm telling you right now, I'm prophesying in the name of Jesus that the place of your worst trauma and your worst loss and your worst struggle and your worst trial and your worst test, God is going to bring forth life out of that. God is going to open the grave and call you to live again. God is going to open the grave and cause your spirit to live again. I'm telling you, the breath of God will breathe on you in this place today. I prophesy to every dry bone, live in the name of Jesus. Get up out of the grave in the name of Jesus. Take your harp and sing again in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, out of what's dead and dry and everything that's gone wrong, God is going to perform the greatest miracle in the worst of times and in the worst of places. God does the best of things. God is going to restore. Pick up your harp. This is the word for our church. Pick up your harp and sing again. Pick up your harp out of the willow and sing again. Take your hope back up for your loved ones. I tell, Listen to me. God moved on me when it says that these bones became an exceeding great army. I don't intend to just speak for, for pastor and sister pastor, but man, do you not think that they have a right to be demoralized when they look at ones they prayed with, fasted for, counseled, prayed through the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, and they're on that side of the road, spiritually dead, dried up, not here anymore. Do you not think there's not a reason to be demoralized when some of our saints have lost loved ones, suffered financially, suffered job loss, suffered uh, loss of of loved ones and and, and all kinds of things, well, you name it. Do you not think that there's not a reason to be demoralized when we as a church can look and we can see they, they were my brother, they were my sister, but they're not here anymore. I thought I could count on them. But they're not here anymore with no explanation. Do you not think that I, as a youth pastor, ones that I've helped train up to to, to preach as best as I can and to lead and to, to minister, and they're gone without a trace. And no text and no phone call and no reason, just gone. Do you think it's not demoralizing when somebody sends me a picture of a regeneration t-shirt hanging up on a goodwill rack? Do you not know, think that it, that it feels like daggers to me to watch ones that I've loved and counseled and prayed with and they walk away? But I believe out of the greatest hurt and the greatest loss that we're going to see the greatest miracle among these. And then it's going to raise up an exceeding great army. And the ones that have been dried up and lost and the ones that have turned away are going to be the the preachers and the teachers and the Bible study teachers and the ministers and the prayer warriors. And in the last day you're going to be an exceeding great army. I just prophesied in the name of Jesus that out of our greatest loss church, out of our greatest loss and our greatest hurt, that God's going to do the greatest miracle.
1: Out of your greatest trauma, God is going to do
0: the greatest miracle. Out of your greatest hurt, God is going to do the greatest miracle. Pick up your harp. Pick up your harp. Don't you lose hope. Don't you throw in the towel. Sing, preach, teach, prophesy, pray, fast, believe, get to work. I refuse, I refuse to be demoralized. I refuse to have the life sucked out of me by an enemy that's already lost. I refuse to stay in chains. I'm telling you in the name of Jesus that our greatest hour is ahead of us, not behind us. I don't care what the restrictions look like. I don't care if they say we got nine new strains of COVID. I don't care who's the president. I don't care what the Senate looks like. I don't care what's going on in our nation or in our world. I prophesy in the name of Jesus, we will have revival on that campus. We will have revival in our homes. We will have revival in our workplaces. We will have church and stadiums. We will see our city turned upside down because you cannot stop the promises of God. You cannot make what God said untrue. You cannot surprise God. I'm telling you, our prodigals are coming home. Disease will be healed in the name of Jesus. I refuse to be demoralized. Out of our greatest struggle, out of our greatest trial, out of the greatest fiery furnace, is going to be our greatest miracle restoration apostolic church. Somebody just needs to shout. Somebody just needs to receive that. Somebody needs to claim that in the name of Jesus. I have come to call the devil a liar. I have come to call the devil a liar. We are not defeated. We are not Babylonians. We are not Egyptians. We're the people of God. And the promises of God are yea and in Him. Amen. If God said it will happen in our church, it's going to happen in our church. If God said it's going to happen in our city, it's going to happen in our city. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how hard Babylon comes against us. I'm not going to hang my harp up. Somebody needs to stand
1: up and tell the devil no.
0: Me just another minute. Listen, hear me. While they're in Babylonian captivity. These three Hebrew boys that we read about. Isn't it funny that we get their names wrong? <laughs> Sometimes I get the wrong name wrong, like Radshak. But while they're in captivity, they're not the only three Hebrews in Babylon. There was a whole multitude, a whole host of people. And Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm setting this idol up. You're going to fall in line. This is how it's going to be. Or you're going in the fire. There was really no room for debate there. He said, this is how it's going to be. This is is your new world. This is your new normal. These are your new rules. This is your new mandate. This is how you will operate from now on. This is what you will answer to from now on. This is the authority that you will recognize from now on. And I like to think that these three Hebrew boys... We're probably standing there among other Hebrews and thinking we're going to s- stand together. And then the music played, and there we're the only three left standing. And I tell you, I know, church, that we all have had people. We can look and we can say, I thought for sure when the music played, we were going to be standing in unity. I thought for sure when it was time to bow, that we were going to stand together. But it's just a few of us. And because they stood, they went into the fire. But they came out of the fire. Not burned. And they're... Bands were loosed. And because they stood. Because they said, I will not lose my identity to this idol. Nebuchadnezzar recognized there is not a God like this God. The God of these boys. That's God. Forget anything I set up. These boys serve the living God. And I tell you that it's been hard to watch different ones bow when the music started playing. It's been hard to watch ones that have just assimilated into the culture. And maybe we've stood with our knees shaking a little bit and our palms sweaty. Looking in the face of the fire. But I'm telling you. Today. I'm giving you a word from the Holy Ghost right now. That today. It's going to start. That people are going to recognize. They went into the fire. But they came out. And there is no God. Like their God. There can't be any God like their God they obviously have the answer they obviously serve something that does not waver and something that does not falter and something that does not fail I'm telling you out of the hottest fiery furnace This world is going to recognize. And even ones that have walked away are going to recognize. That there is no God like God Almighty. There is no God like Jesus. And I know where I need to be. And I know what I need in my life right now. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. because Church, because we've stood... Look where we're at. Look look where we're at. Look where we're at. Look where you're at today. Look where you're sitting at today. Remember a time that we couldn't even gather together. Look where you're at today. Look what's going on in this house today. Because we have stood, I'm telling you that people are going to see and people are going to recognize. And I'm telling you out of our hardest furnace and out of our greatest trial and out of our greatest tragedy, I'm telling you that God is bringing the greatest revival. We, thought we, we might have thought we were just going to soar up on wings like eagles all the way to the mountaintop. But we've had to fight uphill every step of the way. But the mountain stops is still coming. The revival's still coming. The promises of God are still alive. And I've still got a song. And I still believe. Stand with me. Music can come. I want to speak to you as individuals. God's got what you need in this house. Today. Today. God can touch you. I've spoke to us as a church. God's bringing us to the other side. But I want to speak to you as an individual in your own form of captivity, in your own form of chains, in your own lamenting. God can restore anything in your life today. God can deliver you today. He can heal you today. I'm telling you, God can do it. But listen, here's an example we look at when Peter was in prison. And there was a group of people, a group of church folks. And they're back at one of their houses. And they're all praying for Peter. God, bring Peter out of captivity. Bring Peter out of prison. Deliver him, Lord. They're praying and wailing and crying and yelling and and. and then here comes the knock at the door. Oh God, get Peter. God bring Peter to this house and let him knock on the door so we can let him in. God, bring Peter here to the house. Lord Jesus, deliver Peter. God, we need Peter out of, out of that prison the whole time. Peter is at the door. And even when somebody finally recognized it, they said, ah, it's his ghost. They killed him. The answer was knocking on the door in that moment. They were too busy saying, God, open the door. God, open the door. God, bring deliverance. God, hear our prayer. And the answer was knocking on the door. And they could not recognize it. I want to tell you to, to today that God is banging on somebody's heart door, saying, I've got what you need in this house. You've been sitting on that pew every altar call for long enough. You've been sitting there folding your hands long enough. I've got what you need. I'm, I'm about to knock down the door, but I need you to open it. Somebody needs to recognize today that God He's holding out your harp and He's saying, I want you to take it. He's got a song for you to sing. He's got a work for you to do. You're not meant to stay captive in Babylon. You're not meant to sit by the rivers of Babylon lamenting and crying over what what, what once was. He's saying, I've got a work yet to do. I've got a work that you have yet to see. I've got a harvest but I need my laborers there's work to be done but I need my laborers I need you to get out of that that, those ashes and sackcloth I need you to get out of that pit of despair I need you to let me do a work in your heart today and get you back on track today because I'm marching you out of Babylon I'm marching you across dry ground in the midst of the Red Sea I'm marching you out of captivity today if you will let me a word for the church today God is speaking to this church today we're going to look back on this service we're going to look back on this service and anything else that we might face we're going to say don't bother me promises of God are still alive I'm not going to worry about it I'm going to keep going forward because God gave me a promise You you know it was prophesied they would only be in Babylon for 70 years and still, Nebuchadnezz- even Nebuchadnezzar knew this prophecy. is that something? Even Nebuchadnezzar knew the prophecy that there would be deliverance and tried to find every way around that and make the Israelites not believe that. I'm telling you, the enemy, he's not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. He don't operate like God. But he knows that there is a destiny for this church. He knows it already. But if he can just get us to take our eyes off of it and forget about it and say maybe they maybe they won't rise again if i can just demoralize them to the point that they they just forget about what god said i'm here again to call the devil a liar i wish somebody right now would come to these altars or wherever you want to go but lift your hands and lift your voice fall on your face whatever you have to do but let god touch you in this house let god renew you in this house let god break every chain And by the authority of the Holy Ghost, by the authority of the Holy Ghost, I prophesy to every dry bone right now, live, live in the name of Jesus. Get up out of your grave in the name of Jesus. Live again, sing again, pick your harp up again, believe again, trust again. I prophesy in the name of Jesus. God is doing it right now we need to recognize don't stop praying don't stop praying don't lower your voice don't stop praying God is doing it right now I tell you dry bones are beginning to live God's beginning to put flesh back on the bones God is breathing the breath of life back into the bodies God is renewing things and restoring things there are ministries being raised up out of the grave his anointing begin to flow again come on church continue to pray continue to lift your voice if you got the holy ghost pray in the holy ghost depression lose your hold in the name of Jesus fear and anxiety lose your hold in the name of Jesus Lose your grip in the name of Jesus. Hey. i tell you, I feel deliverance unto the captives right now. There is deliverance unto the captives right now. Speak it out. Prophesy it in the Holy Ghost. Pray in tongues. Let the Spirit make intercession. I speak to it. I speak to it in the name of Jesus. Let my people go. Let my people go. Let my people go. Come on, let's continue to worship. God is restoring lives
1: right now. Let's worship. God is Pushing back the door
0: God is pouring out on people right now. God is changing things in people's lives and their minds and their hearts and their spirits. Right now, God is doing it. If you would, please, press a little further. Press a little further. Linger a little longer and let God do what He wants to do in this house. Come on, lift your voice. Yeah, God's doing it. God's pouring out right now. You're going to look back at this moment and realize this is where God changed it. This is where God did it. clothes. Dance those chains off.
1: I'm coming out in the name of Jesus. I'm coming out in the name of Jesus.
2: together one more time right here and there's some anointings in this building that's about to be loosed there's some things you hadn't felt in a long time you're about to feel again there's some things about to come back to life in you so let's lift our hands across this building right now we're prophesying we're prophesying to our people right now and these ministries are going to live in the name of jesus and these anointings are going to live in the name of jesus he shot a rabo cotayanda la lavasata. He shanay mala lavasata. That's it. That's it. He tatayanda lavasa cotayada lava. That's it. A great noise and a great shaking. Come on. He cut on the lava Here, lava sata if you need healing in this place lay your hand upon yourself like he testified today and speak it in the name of Jesus hallelujah if you got heart problems put your hand over your heart and say in the name of Jesus Shatama Kohoha in the name of Jesus, Shandala Bokotoyana Bahaya, Ilataya Bokota Katahaya, Jesus, He Shat.